where leadership is lacking today is that people don't have the nerve anymore. They don't have the nerve to be themselves. They don't have mm -hmm. the courage to stand up and, and actually lead knowing themselves and knowing who they are and what they have to offer the world. Uh, but they, they just kind of toe the party line and every, everything is so bland and uniform and doesn't make any difference at all. From Crossroads Media, this is See Here Love, the podcast with Melinda Estabrooks, Season 9, Episode Number 14. Well, welcome back to another episode of See Here Love, and you have joined us for our series on Melinda Gets to Know Her Mentors. And if you haven't been tracking with us the last couple of weeks, uh, you have landed on a really, really good day, and I can't wait to introduce to you my guest. But I, I just wanted to say why I am doing this series. Uh, and I think it's because my heart for See Here Love has always been about mentoring the next generation coaching, empowering, leaning in, listening, uh, and really kind of giving back to the next generation because I received so much when I was a young person. And so I thought to myself, what would be the next best thing is to talk to the people who have mentored, you know, championed me and coached me over the years and, and kind of shine a spotlight on them, incredible leaders, um, influencers who are doing some really good work in Canada and around the world. And so um, I've been interviewing these great people, learning from them about their thoughts on leadership, why they mentor. And it also is a moment for me to say thank you to them, to brag a little bit about them. And so that is what this whole series is about. So I hope you're enjoying it and I hope that you're gonna track with us uh, for all the interviews. But this day, the day you have landed on is a really special day because this is a very special friend of mine uh, he is currently the president and CEO of Stronger Philanthropy. And Stronger Philanthropy helps generous families give more effectively. Stronger Philanthropy helps families be proactive, I love that, rather than reactive to the constant demands on their generosity. And they provide a vibrant community of peers, streamlined systems, worry-free administration, and accountable partnerships with charities. You need to check them out, Stronger Philanthropy. But before that, my guest was the executive director of Bridgeway Foundation for 15 years. And Bridgeway Foundation uh, was all about emphasizing on sparking innovation and building capacity in Canadian Christian charities through his family philanthropy, which was fantastic. And not only that, he has a doctor of leadership and the title of his dissertation was Leveraging Privilege, Transitioning to Millennial Leadership for Christian Family foundations. That's huge. And I want to talk to him about that. So without further ado, let me introduce to you my, I was gonna say one and only close friend who I just adore and love, Dr. Mark Peterson. Woo! Wow. Do you like that introduction, Mark? <laughs> that is quite the introduction. And I think well, I you're really scra scraping the bottom of the barrel if you want me to come on the show. Oh, Mark. No, I've never been able to introduce you that way. So that was really exciting for me because, you know, introducing your friends, it's it's funny. It's like you can introduce all these people you don't know with all of the big bio, but then introducing your friend, you're like, oh, my goodness. So I'm so glad that you're here. We've had Thank many, you. many years together. Um, I don't even know how many. Uh, uh, ooh, over 20. Um, 
over 20 would, years. Yeah, I would say. Over 20 time. years plus of friendship. Um, it was, your pink party was one of the first memories I had. <laughs> it was the pink party. Everybody had to dress in pink at my party. And I Mark, I thought you wore a pink shirt. Oh, I could have. I could. I have. think you wore a pink shirt. Our friend Randy wore a pink wig. Everybody is wearing pink, and that kind of sealed the deal because here you were. I, we, we were just getting to know each other, and you and Karen, your wife, Randy and Nadine, our friends, were the last to party into the night. Everybody else younger was gone, and you guys we just kind of danced and partied all night. So I will, and I think that kind of like stuck. That was it. We were like it sealed the deal of our friendship forever. Um, the other thing I didn't mention too, is that you uh, have written a book um, and you've also been on the Camino uh, a few times. Let's talk about those two things just quick off the top. Uh, the book, talk to us a little bit okay. about the book that you wrote. My book is called Love Giving Well, The Pilgrimage of Philanthropy. Mm -hmm. This is a book I wrote, uh, after walking my second Camino. So I've walked four times now, uh, different uh, Caminos in Spain. This is a month long journey that I do. It's mm -hmm. my alter, alter ego life <laughs> <laughs> slash addiction. Um, <laughs> and it's become, it's become a thing that I've done uh, four times since 2014 um, on various, in various summers, just is a way to get away and a way to pray in a whole new way. And mm. um, I find that uh, separating myself from Canada, getting into a new context, uh, walking every day in pilgrimage and a reflective mind mindset. Um, and, you know, the physical challenge of it all, uh, it takes you to your very limit and you're pretty much done at the end of every single day you want to give up. <laughs> <laughs> but you just keep pressing on and God somehow gives you the energy the next morning to keep going. And, wow. and so I found, I found it not just a great adventure, but also a deeply spiritual exercise for myself that has rejuvenated me each year. So, mm. um, so I use, I use that second Camino, the second time I did it, I used that as the framework of this book that I wrote. Um, on philanthropy. So my, my career has been in philanthropy. As, as you've mentioned, I've, I've been involved working with families and helping their genera generosity flourish uh, mm -hmm. through providing systems and, and um, connections and networks for them to give effectively. Um, but I use this idea of pilgrimage as, as kind of a metaphor for how we, we ourselves on the journey of philanthropy, we also go through this, this challenging uh, process of, of self-examination, of looking at the world around us and wondering who is on this journey with us. And we find that there's all kinds of companions on this journey of philanthropy. Um, and you know, an example is you and myself. Um, you know, we found ourselves walking in the same direction. I had access to certain financial resources. You had access to uh, a microphone and a camera, and of course, your your beauty and your talent that that you you just you know share with the world. You're so generous yourself with with who you are and what you do, and uh, so we've become companions on that journey. And in like ways, um, that's happened with many other people as well. 
That's beautiful. Um, and so the book is about that and, and reflects mm -hmm. on my own personal journey of philanthropy and how it's similar to this pilgrimage that I've done. You know, Mark, on that, and I know we are going to get into mentoring, but for those who are like, I've heard the word philanthropy, my family and I are considering it, we don't know what to do, or, you know, people are like, I want to give, I mean, there's a whole, I mean, we could do a whole other show on giving, which I think you need to come back to and talk about that specifically. But what are maybe the kind of questions or start for people who are like, I want to be generous. I want to give. I want our family has the means to give. What what's sort of the, the next step or the question or action to do? I would I would say that there's maybe two different series of questions. And I think first of all, to start more generally, I think every single person is uh, has the potential to be generous. You know, mm. whether you have a lot of money or a little money, you have the potential to be generous with your resources and not just financial resources, but your time, your energy, your relationships, all of those can be shared. Um, and, and I think that as people who follow Christ, we want to be generous with those resources. Um, Jesus tells us that these things are given to us, not for our own possession, but that we would steward them well and that we, we would share them generously with the world. And, and so that's one level of looking at philanthropy. The next level of looking at philanthropy, I would say, would be for those families that have massive resources, you know, like way more than the norm. Mm -hmm. and, and I think there's different challenges and, and obligations for those kinds of people that have that kind of resource. And that's really who I wrote the book for, is, is those families to help them navigate the challenges of, of uh, that different context. Um, you know, in, in one donation, you can underwrite the, the salary of a, a person in a nonprofit organization, you know. And so you have to be really smart and, and discerning before you start to give just flagrantly to organizations, you need to know that, that, that those funds are going to be used for a person and for a, a ministry or for a, a social purpose that um, really will produce an impact. Otherwise, you're wasting your money. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's kind of the difference, you know, um, between mm -hmm. uh, the broader group where all of us are called to be generous and then those that have certain... Uh, unique, unique circumstances that allow them to really be philanthropic in a monetary way. Yeah, and I'm so grateful. I think it's so good, stronger philanthropy and what you're doing, because if there are families that are like, we don't want to do it ourselves, there's some challenges with family dynamics and decisions, it's, it's great that you've provided the service uh, for families that, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, who doesn't, like the idea of worry-free administration. Hello. <laughs> yes, I think everybody right. does. <laughs> yeah. and, um. and, and, and the one, the one thing that I would say that our system does is it empowers all the generations of the family. So it's not just the, the, the founders of the foundation, but it brings in the next generations, the children and grandchildren of the founders mm -hmm. and, and gives them all the, um, the tools that they need to make good decisions and to learn together as a family on what makes for good giving. So good. 
Well, I think that's a perfect segue, Mark, into our question time. Ding, 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 ding. I was supposed to have like some kind of really cool music. Maybe we'll have to do that in post. My producer will have to do that. But it is a good segue because we're, we are talking about the importance of mentorship, coaching, you know, championing um, next generation, which really is sense in the work that you do, especially with families, it's actually helping coach families into next generation thinking like, like, like your um, dissertation, leveraging privilege, transitioning to millennial leadership. Mm. So in a way you are kind of coaching and directing um, and consulting uh, families in the next generation within their own family. So I think it's perfect. Uh, as we start off the first question, I mean, partly for you on Maybe why have you supported? What have you always been a person who wanted to coach and champ, you know, be a champion and support next generation? And uh, any advice on in your own personal journey for those on how to do it well? Is it hmm. is it a template? Is it just natural? You know, what is it about mentoring? Interestingly, as I was reflecting on these questions. Um, I started thinking about how both yourself and myself, Melinda, both of us land in the generation we call Generation X. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Yes. You know, and, yes. <laughs> and Generation X, the, the, the sad little generation between the boomers and the millennials, <laughs> you know, both those amazing big cohorts. And I'm at the very top end of that generation. And I think you're near to the millennial end, mm -hmm. but, but both of us have ended in that ended up in that uh, Generation X cohort, which by virtue of its demographics means that, um, you know, the boomers, of course, had all the positions of leadership and power control, money, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Then the millennials are coming up and they're the ones that have the, the big, they're the biggest voting block today, you know, and, and they're the ones that are, are, uh, into their careers as well right now. And, mm -hmm. and the generation X is, is really a smaller generation that is really kind of the bridge and the stepping stone between those two generations. And so I think mentorship actually comes very naturally by virtue of demographics to generation Xers, um, because we, we see the need for, um, there to be a bridge between those generations in terms of leadership. Um, you know, you can find how-to videos all over YouTube on how to be a, how to run an organization, how to, you know, raise money, how to do whatever. Uh, but what you don't have on YouTube and what you don't have virtually is, is long-term deep relationships of people that know you and love you and are walking alongside you. And, and that's what I think, uh, is the value of mentorship and of good mm -hmm. solid coaching um long-term um direction from from people who who have more experience and more um perhaps have some wisdom to share it's not like they have they're they're perfect and they they know everything no it's it's often a a learning environment where where in a mentoring relationship both parties are learning um it's just that those who have lived longer have have a lot to offer, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, Mark, when I first met you, and even for the many years, <clears throat> you were always in places and spaces of providing conversations or sponsoring conversations for 
next gen, which is so funny. Next gen was the Gen Xers. <laughs> like we weren't really talking millennials 20 years ago. <laughs> we mm. were talking kind of my, our generation, you know, Gen Xers. Why was that? Cause you were, I remember that in Canada, you know, you were in those spaces all the time, um, inviting people to the table. We didn't even use that. I mean, now that language is so used, but then we, you literally were inviting people physically to a table to have these conversations about how to reach the next generation or, you know, new ways on, you know what I mean? Like you were always, you were always involved in those spaces and or in organize and or organizations that were about that as well. Right. Yeah. I think, I think even like, even if you go back as far as 20 years ago or, or more, um, I think for my generation, there was always a, a niggling sense and a suspicion that, the way that things were within our world were not sustainable. They were not going to mm -hmm. continue as they had been, that things needed to change. Um, and so we were looking for, okay, how do we get our way out of this? How do we dig our way out of this mess that we're in? And um, I think that's true of, of you know, the, the Christian church, but it's also true of our society as well. You know, uh, there's a lot of unsustainable things happening in our world that uh, need to change. And so looking at new generations and, and seeking th their involvement and advice is, is important. And so I think we cr tried to create spaces for that to, to, you know, create space where new people, new, new voices could be heard and, and brought into the conversation because the old ones weren't making any more sense. <laughs> you That's know? true. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think we're in a time, I mean, even within the church and evangelicalism, our own experiences, there's a lot of shift in those years, right? For us mm. as Gen Xers on mm -hmm. church and theology and the way things were supposed to be from our parents and family origin, there's a lot of learning and relearning in that time. Yes. So, um, that, that really is good. That was really good, but I really appreciated that. I mean, I think in that time, Mark, you know, you supported so many of those spaces and there are so many people in Canada that I know would say thank you if they could to you and to, you know, the people that you were leading with for giving opportunities for people like me and some even younger than me, um, to have places to speak and to share. Hi, I'm Addison Espilla, one of the content producers here at See Here Love. I just wanted to take a moment to invite you to join our community called the See Here Lovelies. Here's how. Number one, sign up to our weekly newsletter. Every week you'll get a personal note from Melinda with links to our shows, blogs and resources, as well as inspirational content and a short devotional. You'll also be the first to know about upcoming events and giveaways. QR code is in the show description or sign up through our website at See Here Love and look for the newsletter icon. Number two, join us in studio and be part of our studio audience. Take a behind the scenes tour in our master control room, editing suites and studio. You'll meet Melinda and the See Here Love co-hosts and guests. Email us at seeherelove at crossroads.ca for more info. And finally, number three, become a monthly partner. $25 or $50 a month will help us share our brave themes and conversations on television. 
here on podcast, YouTube, video streaming, and on our social media platforms. We can't do See Here Love without donations and sponsorships, so please go to www.seeherelove.com donate and give your one-time or monthly donation today. Become a See Here Lovely and join our See Here Love community of belonging, vulnerable, and brave conversations. We are here for you. I like that, and I think what you said is, you know, a lot about mentoring is the relationship long-term, is the trusted, faithful friendship you know that you that you choose to to walk with and journey alongside i think that's and i think that's missing i think to be honest when i hear lately i've been hearing you know from from women of all ages and millennials about just you know i was with a girlfriend the other day and i said you know what's one of the biggest issues that you're facing and she said finding girlfriends at my age now to walk with to be connected with to have trust with right and I'm like, but you're like 45. I go, you, you know, it sounds like you're a millennial who's telling me the same thing, that they, they can't find trusted community and friendships um, mm. to, to journey with. So that is, an, that is a definitely a topic I want to discuss at some point, but I think you're so right. Now, this question is, I know, strange and awkward, but, you know, um, I've been asking <laughs> everybody that, this right? question. Yeah, I am. But, you know... I know aside from my incredible dancing skills um, and <laughs> and the way that we make each other laugh hysterically, um, when we met, I feel that, I mean, I know we talked about this and you're like, Mel, I didn't really mentor you as more, you know, I, you know, championed you, but I felt, I feel Mark that there was definitely some intentionality about you being my champion and, encouraging me in my you know late 20s right into my mid 30s plus and beyond mm -hmm. and why was that i mean i i think because you know there's a lot of people that you had connection with but i really felt that you really had my back and you really opened up so many opportunities for me in that time right true i i, I mean i saw I saw in you from the very beginning the potential that you have and I think that 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 was an attractive thing you know to me that to work with you and, and help you find a, a pathway forward to channel that potential into something meaningful um, into influencing and and uh, bringing a positive change to our world you know so it's leveraging that potential. I mentioned, you mentioned actually earlier, the title of my dissertation was leveraging privilege, you know, and the privilege that you had was the potential that you have and you have your mm -hmm. skills, you have your abilities, um, you know, in media and communications in relating to other people, which you do effortlessly. Um, and so how do you leverage those things? And, and so it was about, actualizing that potential that, hmm. you know and I saw I saw that ability in you the other thing I thought I found in you Mal was um, you have an amazing drive your your work ethic is um, unparalleled people don't understand this about you and they don't see this uh, because it looks easy to go on screen like you're on right now and and look like you know 
you're just flipping it off and, and doing doing a conversation on the fly. But I know the amount of time that you invest into um, you know research, um, the events you go to, the connections you make all the time. You're you're working nonstop. You are working sixty hours a week. I know, you know, and that's not a healthy thing. <laughs> so maybe we'll have to talk about boundaries. It's still somewhere. mentoring. Still <laughs> but but you have you have a, an unrelenting passion for this work that you're doing, and so but I saw that, and you know, I thought, oh wow, I'd love to get behind that. But but that is that, uh, and this is this again is something that you know. The general public doesn't see they don't this is invisible to most people but i see it because i'm closer to you um that is your deep spirituality and dare i say even like the suffering that you have gone through in your own personal life that has brought you close to god and that has humbled you and that has um, given you a vision for what you're doing and that's been huge you know because i think that if, if any of us want to serve in Christian ministry, that it's a, it's a calling to suffering. It's not a calling to, you know, glory. <laughs> it's a calling first to suffering. And you've identified that and you've entered into that. Because um, that, if we're following Christ, that's where he goes first. Hmm. Wow. That I wasn't expecting that. Thank you, Mark. And I'm a little emotional about that, but I really appreciate your thoughtfulness in in thinking about that and thinking about the question well. And again, it wasn't for I, I think it's you know I always sometimes wonder because it's it's funny, eh? You know, you could be where I'm at and where you're at, and you still kind of live sometimes in an imposter syndrome or if they find out who I really am and that I can't do any of this work, <laughs> that I'm just trying to make it up as I go along. I'm, I'm trying to research as it happens because on YouTube to be able to like manage a show, you know, it's, and so just to, to hear these things, it, it means a great deal to me, especially coming from you. And I, I'm glad that you, you, you say that because you're right. You know, a lot of people, it's funny when people come to the studio or see what we do and produce, they're just like, Oh, Oh yeah, that, you know, that just happens. It's like, then they actually watch all the work that goes behind it. And they're just like, I had no idea. The research, the contracts, the connection points, the guesting, the fundraising, all of that is, is work behind the scenes. Yes. And yes. I know I, ha I have a very small team, but a lot of the work I do. And I, again, I, you know, a lot of people don't know that they think people have come to me, Mark, and said, oh, so you have a team of 20? like five producers <laughs> and I go, no, actually I have one producer and myself, you know, like that's, that's the reality of what we do. But I, I do feel that God has really multiplied my very simple offering, you know, of mm -hmm. the very little skill I had when I started this. And it was like, God multiplied it. It was, it was Mark really like, loaves and fishes. Cause I'm like, I have this, I don't know anything. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to multiply it and I'm going to get people to help you. Or I'm going to YouTube, YouTube is great, Mel look on YouTube, you know? And so it just kept multiplying. And here we are six years later and over 200 shows. And you're just like, and Mark their days. I'm just like, Whoa, I can't believe it. Yeah. So thank you so much for that. Um, 
Wow, that's amazing. I mean, I the next question was, are you surprised at where she is now? But I, I'm not quite sure if you were. Are you are well, surprised? The, the, the only thing I'm really surprised at is that you're that you're sitting in your closet right now. <laughs> I am. I should move it. I know. My closet room, in my closet room that I'm not in the studio because I'm like ah. It's Mark. He can, he can join me in my closet room. With my, my dresses are hanging here. My my bags and makeup are over here. <laughs> you I love how you just outed me right out, like, and you're in your closet room. <laughs> this is no pro studio place. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um let me talk about you a little bit because as somebody who you know, you know, for those who are listening, you know, one of the greatest things was when I was in my late twenties and more early thirties, mid thirties, Mark really, you know, I would get invitations of, from Mark saying, Hey Mel, this is a great young person's event up in Ottawa. Um, this conversation you need to have around the table with other young people about what does the evangelical church look like or where is it, is it going? Um, Mel, I think you should really keynote on this conversation with the churches because they need to hear a Gen X voice. Mel, I really think you need to be at this event to meet these people and over and over and over again. Mark, um, I, really, I know it sounds big, but where I am at today, I don't know with some of the people and the, and the connections I have and where I'm at could have happened without you. I think that um, you not only what I love about you is your your generous way of opening up yourself and your connections and people you know to others. Um, you don't hold those close and guard them and own them. You are very generous in connection, and it's not networking. People use the word network a lot. It's you know you you trusted me with friendships that you had. And, and, and I hope that I'm the same way with others. I've, I've been told that. And I was actually going, where did I get that from? And I think, Mark, I really got that from you. I saw that, you know, here you were with great influence, um, with incredible spaces that you were a part of and people and groups you were a part of. And yet you opened that up to me. And now some of those people and connections are some of my closest friends. Some of those people and, and connections are why I'm actually at the work and in the work that I'm doing. And that has honestly a lot, more than a lot to do with you and your generosity in your relationships uh, with me. Uh, I'm, what I love about you and so grateful, you are so fun. I don't, you know, I, I think people as they get to know you, get to know you that you are fun, you have the best laugh in the world, you are a great dancer. I don't know if people know that, but you can merengue and do those like um, Colombian dances like no other. It's amazing. And I think that's really neat to have somebody who is so smart, who is a doctor and is so smart, but yet on the other side, have the side that is fun and free and open and can laugh loudly and let the world hear, which is me, you know, and, and I don't get to meet a lot of people that way as well. You are so smart. And I don't think people really know that. I think they know you are, but you really are. You know, smart and wise, thoughtful, deeply thoughtful about life 
and the way life works and, and your own faith and theology. Like, and you, and you love knowing a lot of things. So you're a reader and you like to learn and that's definitely makes you a great leader as well. Um, you know, you've inspired me to go for it, to be at the tables when I felt intimidated to use my voice. And you and Karen were, I will say that were the first check to see her love when I launched. Mm. So, Beautiful. so listeners and viewers, uh, the first check I got that really said, this is something that this is going to happen. God, this dream that you've given to me is, is really legit. Um, Mark and Karen gave me a check to start See Here Love and to support my show. And so Mark, you know, I'm incredibly grateful for your friendship and I'm incredibly grateful for, oh, our trip to Italy. Um, we can't forget that. <laughs> oh my, are we gonna get into oh all my. kinds of The Italy and now. the cottage and so many things that we won't mention here on this national, international broadcast podcast. <laughs> but. I just wanted to say that too. These are the things that I love about you and just wanted to say, you know, with this time, because you couldn't go anywhere, I had you and I could just say this. So thank you so much for your friendship and for just all the support that you've given to me over the years. I mm. deeply love you and appreciate you. Thank you, Melinda. So, That's beautiful. On that, on that, um, Mark, your top three leadership tips for a young new leader habits that you believe they need to cultivate to be a great leader. As we're talking about next generation, from your experience, what would you say top three, or you could go four, because it seems to be what you like to do, what uh, tips or habits that- Okay. Great leader. Okay, here okay. we go. I'm gonna give you three. I may go to four, we'll see. Okay, but... <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and these actually flow out of the dissertation I wrote. I, I okay. had a look at that dissertation before our, our call today. Um, but the first tip I think for next gen leaders is simplify. So we're in a world that is so crowded. Mm -hmm. Our headspace is so crowded. My headspace is so crowded. You know, there's no yeah. room in it for anything. We need to simplify. And, you know, if it means, well, one thing I, I mean, not everybody needs to do this, but what I did recently, for example, was I deleted my social media apps off my phone because I just thought, okay, I have no more headspace for this stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, I can go to my Facebook when I'm at my desktop, but I don't have it on my phone and it's just not there anymore. And so it's saving me all kinds of time. One of the, one of the books I read um, during my studies was a book by Cal Newport. So I recommend this to your audience, Cal Newport's book, Deep Work. Um, he's written several others as well with similar themes as this, but the, the theme of deep work was, was if you want to, if you want to get something done in our world today, you have to, you have to get rid of all those distractions and simplify. Mm. So, wow. so think about that. Google him, Google that he's on, he's got some podcasts. It's, it's worth listening to. The next tip I'd like to suggest uh, for people, for next gen people in leadership is, is to learn to adapt. And mm. this would come from, um, there's a, a wonderful, um, 
social researcher based at Harvard named Ronald Heifetz, and he's he developed a theme called adaptive leadership, which says that if you want to be a leader in today's world, then you have to learn how to uh, interpret the signs and the times, and you had to, you need to uh, take a look at what's around you, observe well, then you you go move ahead, but then you adapt whatever approach you're taking. And so you're constantly adapting. So whatever, you know, whatever you're creating, whether it's a, a media show, like a, a show like you're doing at See Here Love, or, or if it's teaching a course, or if it's uh, serving the hungry at a food bank, or if it's um, working in IT in a, in a tech firm, you know, you have to be adapting all the time and using those adaptive leadership skills to, to learn how to uh, keep up with the changes in our world and, and to be responsive and to have a positive impact. So first of all was simplify, second was adapt, and the third is individuate. So just as we talk, we talk about being stronger together and that we need each other in mentorship and and that's very good and helpful. But what I, what I see happening with next gen people is the failure to individuate. So mm -hmm. it's becoming more and more like you have to toe the party line. You have to think the same thing and agree on the same thing. And you can't diverge from anything of the political correct thought. Uh, and if you do, then you're canceled or you're wrong, you know. But I think that um, what we need are leaders today that know how to individuate. Um, there's a, a book called A Failure of Nerve by Friedman, where he writes that, that where leadership is lacking today is that people don't have the nerve anymore. They don't have the nerve to be themselves. They don't have mm -hmm. the courage to stand up and and actually lead knowing themselves and knowing who they are and what they have to offer the world. Uh, but they, they just kind of toe the party line and every, everything is so bland and uniform and doesn't make any difference at all. This is one of the things I think that you've done, Melinda, in your work is, is you've actually stood up. You're not afraid to be a tall poppy <laughs> in the sea of poppies. <laughs> um, you know, we have a thing in Canada where we, we cut down on all the tall poppies because mm. we're afraid of anything that's different or, or successful, we tend to cut them down and make everything uniform. And I don't think that's the path to leadership at all. So I'd encourage people to individuate and become themselves. Wow, Mark, so simplify, adapt or adaptability and individu individuate, individuate. Those are great. Those are really, really good. I've written those down and the books again, Deep Work by Cal Newport. Yes. Ronald Heifetz. Ronald Heifetz on adaptive leadership. You can Google that one. Yeah. Uh, and then Friedman, A Failure of Nerve. That's good. Those are so good, Mark. One thing I thought about, because I didn't ask you earlier mentoring, um, for those people kind of Gen Xers, like us who are just like, I have no time to mentor, coach, champion people, next generation. Maybe it's not 
I don't even have time. I don't want to <laughs> because I'm too busy. I'm, I don't know what to say. What can I offer? Like, what do you say to those people? Because here's the thing, Mark, like I have so many young people coming to me going, can you mentor and coach me? Like, and I'm finding that a lot of my girlfriends who are in leadership, they can't take everybody. So yeah. obviously that's why people are now forming, like there's a lot more women's groups in Canada and in the US that are forming these collectives and mentoring groups because what we're finding is a lot of women leaders are saying, I can't do it one on, the demand is so great. And millennials are like, we need people. Like they, they kind of get the importance of these relationships. So you can see the problem, right? If you have Gen Xers and boomers who say, I can't do it, I won't do it, I'm too scared to do it. And this, this need of next generation saying, we want you, and now there's, we have that challenge. So what are your thoughts around that? I would, I would start with those closest to you. Um, start with your organic relationships. Um, mm -hmm. Don't you know, don't go out of the blue to someone you don't even know and ask them to mentor you. No, because that right. won't happen. Um, start with the people that are closest to you in your life already. People that already know and love you. And all you're asking for, I mean, all you're asking for is one hour a month. You know, so, so do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and be disciplined about it. You know, start to create some discipline around uh, intentionality there. Um, so that's from the end of the person wanting mentorship from the person mm -hmm. giving mentorship. I would say, uh, get off your high horse and start mentoring somebody. <laughs> there it is. There it is. No, there, there you go. There you go. That's an archaic expression, isn't it? I don't know where that came from. That came from like, you know, millennia ago in my mind. <laughs> Get off your high horse. Yes. Get going. <laughs> I was channeling, you know, I don't know, someone from Memphis. Yeah, exactly. No, I think that's good to say because so many people are like, have the excuse. And there really isn't. If you're saying like it's an hour, a month or whatever, we can carve that out. Yes. You know what I mean? We, yeah. we can carve out an hour. And particularly like, okay, I just had my 58th birthday three days ago, I think it was. And, uh, you know, you don't look so 58. I, well, I'm feeling it. Okay. <laughs> That's but, what they say. You don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you get, when you get there, like you need to be sowing seeds into the, you know, next generation. Like it can't just be about hanging out with your own kind and type. You have to be, if you want to see life happen, hmm. um, you're going to be sowing into the next generation down. Um, it's an absolute essential. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I'm glad that you said that because there are so many people that I've met in churches, women's, you know, conferences are like, Oh, Melinda, this is, and it's so funny. And I'm, you know, I'm not outing anybody. So I'm generally speaking, but there'll be women who are like, I don't have any purpose. I'm so bored. I'm right. older, I'm retired, and I don't know what to do. And I was like, are you mentoring? Are you connecting with people in the church or, you know, on your daughter's, your granddaughter's sports team? So like, no, I just don't have the time or I just can't do it. And it's like, you can. And meanwhile, you've just been complaining 
that you don't know what to do. You feel very, you know, purposeless in your life. You don't know in this new season or stage of your life what to do. Mm. And yet here is an opportunity where thousands and thousands and thousands of young people are, are looking for, you know, a coach, a mentor just to kind of help them. And it's not like, I think Mark, people are afraid that they have to have all the answers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like if somebody comes to you and they have a thing and you don't know, I think there's fear. Oh, I'm perfectly fine saying I have no idea. Right. <laughs> you know, you have to, hopefully your mentor will also be able to say, you know, that they don't have no idea about certain things. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, I think, I think also too, that comes from the Gen Xers who came out of a culture and especially in church culture that you did have to have all the answers. Like there was something ingrained in that time that we had to know everything or have the answers for everything. And now I, it's refreshing. We can say, we don't know. Like, yeah. I'm thinking of one more thing to mention. Sure. <laughs> Sorry. Throwing no, this in now. Good. This is what my fourth or fifth thing. Anyway, but it's, <laughs> it's the idea. It's the idea that, we need more patience. Uh, you know, like change is change is yeah. not happening overnight. Yeah. In in you, in me, in any of us, in our systems, in our churches, in our organizations, in our companies, change is not happening overnight. We need more patience, and we need to to know we need to celebrate incremental change, and mm-hmm. the incremental changes we can celebrate those. And we, we are not going to get from A to Z in one year, but, but rather, this is what I, I teach others in, about philanthropy is that when you want change in our world today, the changes that we often want are, are actually a generational change. Like it, it will happen in maybe a generation if all the things can align and converge in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. And, and even that is, you know, risky. So, so the, the things that we really want in our world um, will not happen overnight, and, and we need to be much more patient than we have been. I think it's amazing. You had four. It was the simplify, adapt, individuate, and more patience. Be patient. Yeah. It's so good. Mark Peterson, thank you so much for spending some time. I mean, we could sit and talk for hours, which we do as friends, but it is a podcast, so I can't go on for, you know, 10 hours. But I really, really appreciate um, the time you took to answer these questions well and thoughtfully. I'm grateful for you and really our forever friendship. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad that there is stronger philanthropy. And so if people want more information about it, Mark, where can they go if they're like, hey, that might be something I, I, we're interested in? They can go to my website, strongerphilanthropy.ca. Okay. And um, yeah, for any um, charity leaders, they can join our Stronger Philanthropy community. Also, any donors, uh, major donors can also join that community. Uh, you can go to Stronger Philanthropy community on the App Store, Apple or Google App Stores, and uh, sign up. We'd yeah. love to have you there. Excellent. And... As you're listening, audience, Mark is is tremendous. He's a great leader. He will take care of you very well. So make sure you check out Stronger Philanthropy. And Mark, thank you again. Thank you for so many years together. 
thank you for the beautiful words you said about me <laughs> that were very, very meaningful. And um, again, just thank you for investing uh, your time, um, your, your thoughts, even your financial support into believing in me and the dream that God has and had given me at the time. So thank you so much. And to our viewers and listeners, thank you for spending uh, some time with us. I hope you enjoyed our conversation that you had either pen and paper out or your iPhone or iPad and you're taking some notes on what Dr. Mark Peterson was saying uh, about great habits to cultivate leadership tips for a young leader. And get off your high horse. If you're not mentoring, do it now. We need you to mentor, to support the next generation. They are waiting. They are longing for you to make the first step. And to, and to those who are younger, uh, be brave and be courageous. Make the first step. What Mark said, you know, you don't have to go so far out. Uh, go where the people uh, you know or are closest to you. I mean, for some of my mentors, I, there are some where they were close to me, but others I actually went right up to them after a speaking event and said, I need to talk to you and eventually uh, will you mentor me? And so just do it. Be brave. Uh, the worst is they can say no, which means it's just another person you need to go to uh, to be mentored from. And on that note, as you do, as you journey through the mentoring, coaching relationship, know this, that you are seen, you are heard. And you are deeply loved by God. Thank you so much for joining us today. The Bible can feel overwhelming, confusing, or hard to believe. Scripture Untangled, a new podcast by the Canadian Bible Society, brings you interviews with culture leaders, leaders in ministry, and Bible thinkers to help you be inspired to dive into the Bible and understand it. Listen for free and subscribe to Scripture Untangled on your preferred podcast app. Visit scriptureuntangled.ca for more information. Thank you for listening to See, Hear, Love, the podcast with Melinda Estabrooks. We are able to do See, Hear, Love because of these generous sponsors. Tyndale University. Melinda and I are both Tyndale alumni. Tyndale is where you will experience high-quality academics interwoven with faith and a community of students and faculty that challenges you to live authentically, to follow Christ, and actively engage your culture. Visit www.tyndale.ca. The Canadian Bible Society champions the Bible as the voice of God, revealing Jesus Christ, the living word. Go to www.biblesociety.ca. And finally, the International Justice Mission Canada rallies Canadians to the fight to end slavery and violence in our lifetime and prove that justice for the poor is unstoppable. Go to ijm.ca today. Please check out these amazing organizations who are doing life-transforming work and who we are proud to be partnered with.